This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Welcome to the show. Your host, John Roseman, here uh, to find out more about me and my family ministry. Go to johnrosemond.com for new listeners. It's J-O-H-N-R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D.com. The show is called Because I Said So, and it's uh, all about what is today in America called parenting. Parenting, interesting term, taking a noun, parent, adding I-N-G on the end, and turning it into a verb. All the more interesting because 60 years ago, the raising of children was simply called the raising of children. You got married, generally. Uh, You had children, generally. And you raised them to be adults. You did not parent. The term parenting implies that uh, the raising of children is, is a technology governed by rules, principles, methods, techniques, and strategies. And so today's parents confronted with disciplinary problems of one sort or another seek to solve them by using disciplinary technologies, methods, techniques, and strategies. And because the raising of children is not a technology, these disciplinary technologies, they ultimately fail. They might function as band-aids for a certain temporary period of time, but ultimately the band-aids fall off and the parents in question go on yet another search for a method, technique, or strategy that will solve the problem. And this is the process, the never-ending, circular, round-and-around-the-mulberry-bush process that ultimately results in parents taking their children to psychologists and other mental health professionals where the children in question are tested, diagnosed, and medicated. That's what mental health professionals do these days, folks. That's all they do. They test, diagnose, and medicate. It is the rare psychologist slash mental health professional by any other title who engages in a genuine attempt to solve a problem because they are not being trained in America's graduate schools to solve problems. They are being trained to test, diagnose, and recommend or prescribe, uh, you know, depending on the laws of the state in question, medications. Supposedly, the behavior problems in question represent some sort of uh, anomaly, physical anomaly in the child's brain central nervous system, generally referred to as a biochemical imbalance, which is a fiction No scientist has ever measured biochemical balance in the central nervous system. It is impossible to measure it, in fact. Therefore, any reference to a biochemical imbalance is nothing but a fiction. But the fiction serves the purpose of uh, creating in the parents' minds receptivity 
to putting the child in question on a prescription drug of one sort or another. And the drugs in question, according to the overwhelming majority of, quote, therapists, end quote, are not dangerous. Well, then the question becomes, why are they regulated by prescription? The idea that these drugs are not dangerous is uh, ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Aspirin is dangerous if taken in large quantities. Uh, these drugs don't have to be taken in large quantities in order to be dangerous. Ritalin, uh, Stratera, uh, Adderall, they don't have to be taken in large quantities in order to be dangerous which is why they are regulated by prescription. They are regulated by law. Furthermore, none of these drugs uh, in question, in fact, no psychiatric drug has ever outperformed, uh, reliably outperformed a placebo in double-blind clinical trials, which are the gold standard of testing the efficacy of any drug, which means, brace yourselves, especially those of you who have been led to believe that some drug you are taking is helping you, it means, and I'll repeat this, no psychiatric drug, none, zero, has ever reliably outperformed a placebo in double-blind clinical trials, which means the drugs in question are no more effective than placebos, which further means that the drugs in question are nothing more than expensive placebos with side effects. And these side effects in question are, in fact, dangerous. Further fact, a verifiable physical disease. And, and you see, the, these people, these mental health professionals, psychologists, psychiatrists, etc., etc., they, uh, they sell parents on the idea that uh, their children's discipline problems are due to brain differences, biochemical imbalances, etc., 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 all fictions, thus making parents receptive to the idea that uh, some form of medical intervention, in this case a pharmaceutical drug, uh, is the answer to the problem. And because of the placebo effect, uh, the drug works perhaps for a while, then stops working. And you take your child back to the therapist in question, the professional in question, and uh, he or she tells you that, uh, oh, well, the drug needs to be, uh, it needs to be adjusted. Or uh, that drug has outlived its usefulness and we need to try another one. And, and nowhere is the truth being told, folks, that the placebo effect is the key to understanding that these drugs uh, are, are not what they are advertised to be. A verifiable physical illness, verifiable, such as cancer, if your doctor tells you you have cancer, he can prove that to you by showing you the results of blood tests, uh, uh, brain scans, uh, whatever. Uh, biopsies. Uh, if a therapist tells you that your child has ADD, ODD, XYZ, ABC, whatever uh, the diagnosis du jour is, and you demand proof, 
they can give you no proof. What, what they do is they start going around and around in circles. Well, we know your child has ADHD because he's fidgety, has problems concentrating, short attention span, doesn't finish tasks. Uh, therefore, he has ADHD. And you say, well, prove that he has ADHD, a physical, mental, biochemical condition called ADHD. And they will say, well, he's fidgety, has a short attention span, doesn't finish tasks, and around and around they go. Why? Because they can give you absolutely no proof. Because these diagnoses, as is the case with every psychiatric diagnosis, sorry to burst any bubbles out there, is nothing more than a theoretical construct. When a doctor tells you you have cancer, cancer is not a theoretical construct. It's a verifiable reality. But mental health, see, here's what they're doing. Mental health professionals want to create this uh, idea that there is equivalence between cancer or um, Parkinson's disease and uh, a psychiatric diagnosis. They even say things like, uh, well, you wouldn't deny your child glasses if uh, uh, he or she uh, couldn't see the blackboard from where he's sitting in class, would you? And they try to, with a question like this, which is a red herring sort of question, they try to you know, create this impression in your mind that uh, the the problems that your child has concerning behavior are the equivalent of not being able to see the blackboard from uh, the, uh, the seat that the child in question is sitting in in class. And with this, they manipulate the parents emotionally into, yeah, it's emotional manipulation into accepting a bogus diagnosis and accepting a bogus, quote, solution, end quote, to the problem. These bogus explanations also create the uh, impression, and it's a very useful uh, perception on the part of parents, that uh, the parents had nothing to do with the problem, that the child carried the problem with him in the world. It was embedded in his genetic structure, probably inherited from the father. The father is always blamed uh, as the genetic fall guy. And some parents are even told, there's nothing you could have done to prevent this, which is just another example of emotional manipulation. Now, for those of you who are first-time listeners, uh, it might be helpful, helpful for you to know that I am a psychologist. Uh, I am a heretic psychologist. I do not believe in psychology. I am the thorn in the side of the mental health professions in America. I was the first person in America in the 1980s to point out the bogus nature of the diagnosis of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. But I am licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board. They regret the day they ever gave me a license. And the last uh, 12 minutes of this program is an indication of why the North Carolina Psychology Board regrets the day they ever gave me a license. But let me point out that uh, this show is being heard nationally, and I have said this kind of stuff since day one of this program three years ago, and no psychologist has ever accused me of saying anything that is untrue. 
on this program. Why? Because I have never said anything that is untrue on this program. I'll get more into the subject after this uh, obligatory break, uh, during which uh, you're going to hear some messages from American Family Radio. Stay with me. I'll be right back uh, after this break uh, with more of this shocking case. Welcome back to the show. I'm talking, and I really didn't plan to. I just, uh, you know, started the program, and uh, I started talking, and it just kind of went off in this direction. Um, I'm kind of a spontaneous thinker, a spontaneous talker, and uh, so uh, the show has uh, this this episode of Because I Said So has turned out to be focused on the subject of uh mental health diagnoses, especially the diagnoses that are being assigned to ill-behaved children, and even to children who are not so ill-behaved, children who are behaving rather normally, especially boys. And uh, more generally, um, I'm dealing with the the bogus nature of uh, uh, the psychological, mental health, psychiatric professions in general. About a year ago, I began talking about a certain church in the American South. It's either considered the American South or the American Southwest, depending on one's perspective. And um, the reason I began talking about this particular church is because a member of the church, and apparently a fairly uh, well-known member of the church, um, and it's a large mega church, and it's uh, in Christian circles. It's a very well-known uh, place. And um, I learned vis-a-vis communication with this fairly well-known, perhaps even prominent member of the church, that the church employed a psychiatrist, that this psychiatrist was on staff and there to uh, provide treatment services to people who were having uh, problems uh, in their lives of one sort or another, relationship problems, emotional problems, et cetera, et cetera. And that uh, apparently this uh, individual, this psychiatrist, uh, prescribes medication. I say apparently because uh, I don't know that for a fact, but what I do know is that the pastor of this particular church has, from the pulpit, touted the benefits of psychiatric medications, which I regard as a rather odd thing for a pastor to do. I then became aware that uh, churches all over the country, including Rick Warren's church, Saddleback, in uh, California, have aligned themselves with the American Psychiatric Association Um, and are using a program provided by the American Psychiatric Association uh, to deal with parishioners, uh, congregants, who uh, uh, 
uh, are having uh, problems of living, emotional problems, mental problems, relationship problems, and so on and so forth. So according to this, um, this uh, the member of this church in, in uh, the American Southwest, from my perspective anyway, um, the psychiatrist at the church became rather outraged that the things I was saying on this radio program and uh, told this individual that, according to the individual, I, I've got to be very careful about this because, you know, all of this is secondhand and I'm the kind of person who's suspect of uh, testimony of this sort. But uh, I have no reason to, to doubt this person. He, he sounds like a very rational, uh, objective individual to me. The psychiatrist in question, the person who is on staff at this church, says that I am wrong. And uh, so I have invited the psychiatrist in question, and he knows who he is. Um, and he listens to the show, apparently, at least occasionally. I've invited him to tell me via phone or email exactly how I am wrong about anything I say about uh, the psychiatric, mental health, psychological professions. And uh, all I hear is deafening silence. So what do I say? Well, you know, here's the list, the short list. Number one, uh, psychiatry, psychology, the mental health professions, there are no practice standards to speak of. That is especially true of psychology, clinical social work, et cetera, et cetera. You take uh, your child or or yourself to a psychologist, and the psychologist could uh, prescribe chewing gum therapy for your anxiety. And his or her licensing board, it is likely that his or her licensing board uh, is going to do nothing about the fact that this individual is prescribing chewing gum therapy for people who have problems with uh, anxiety. Virtually no practice standards whatsoever outside of the most commonly enforced standard, which is don't have a, quote, inappropriate relationship, end quote, with a client. And that is the most enforced practice standard because uh, that is one of the biggest problems in the mental health profession, specifically, quote, inappropriate relationships, end quote, between therapists and clients. Uh, Number two, uh, psychology, psychiatry are rivaled only by journalism, secular journalism, as the most atheistic professions in America. When I was welcome in psychological circles, uh, I, uh, and, and I didn't realize this at the time, but in retrospect, I realized this, that I rarely, if ever, in fact, Uh, encountered a psychologist who professed faith in God, belief in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The fact is that every major theorist in psychology, all of the humanists, all of the behaviorists, the Freudians, the Gestalts, uh, the Jungians, etc., etc., all of the major theorists, Uh, Carl Jung, uh, Sigmund Freud, Carl Rogers, Abraham Maslow, B.F. Skinner, they were all atheists and quite outspoken in their atheism, in fact. 
Uh, fact number, where am I? Three, four, wherever I am. There is no such thing as a Christian psychologist. Uh, the idea is absurd that someone can be a Christian and a psychologist. Um, how can you be a Christian and adhere to a set of principles that were proposed, articulated by atheists? Does anyone who is a Christian for a moment believe that a person's worldview is not reflected in their theoretical positions concerning human nature? That's an absurd proposition, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you cannot be a Christian and a psychologist at the same time. I realized this shortly after I became a Christian, some 18 years ago, and um, realized that psychology is the reigning secular religion of post-modernity, and that I had a choice to make. I had accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior and realized that uh, uh, God's Word and God's uh, a revelation and an understanding of human nature through the lens of the Bible uh, was diametrically oppositional to a psychological understanding of human nature, as in 180 degrees removed. And so I couldn't, you know, uh, I had been a psychologist and now I was a Christian and I realized, well, I, I can't be a Christian psychologist. That's an oxymoron. Um, and and it, by the way, folks, it's very interesting that even some major Christian influencers identify themselves as Christian psychologists. It's very interesting and puzzling to me. So I, I realized I have a choice to make. Uh, you know, am I am I going to adhere to a biblical point of view concerning human nature, or am I going to adhere to a psychological point of view concerning human nature, or am I going to do what people who call themselves Christian psychologists do and try to integrate these two oppositional points of view into some sort of uh, weird hybrid of some sort or another. And uh, it's called integrationism. And um, uh, I made the correct decision. I, I, my point of view concerning human nature is completely 100% a function of biblical truth, which interestingly enough rankles even some pastors who, when they you know, hear me say, well, you know, there is no value to a Christian going to see a psychologist. Even a Christian psychologist begin to argue with me that there is some redeeming value to psychology. Well, what redeeming value? What redeeming value is there to an atheistic point of view concerning human nature? And of course, they are completely unable to answer that and, I, you know, when I say they begin to argue, I don't argue with people uh, about this. I simply say, well, here are the facts. I'm a psychologist. I understand psychology from an insider's point of view. Uh, and uh, here's what I understand about psychology. And here is what I understand concerning human nature, courtesy of reading the Bible. God's word. And if someone can tell me, can point out to me specifically how there is redeeming value to the first, the psychological point of view, um, I'm open to that. But I have yet to hear anyone 
uh, articulate a, a rational, logical uh, answer to that question. And then I am asked, well, don't you believe in the value of counseling? Well, yes, I believe in the value of counseling. I believe in the value of biblical counseling. When I take people into counseling, which I do occasionally, I do counseling entirely from a biblical perspective. Well, anyway, folks, that's the short list, and I'm still waiting for the uh, psychiatrist in question at the church in question in the American Southwest to tell me how I am wrong. I've even offered to debate him on his turf for no speaking fee, and all I hear is crickets. That's been another exciting episode of Because I Said So. I'm your host, John Roseman, johnroseman.com. If you're interested in more information about me and my ministry, this program is carried on American Family Radio every Saturday at 6 o'clock Eastern Time, all across America. Thank you, American Family Radio, for allowing me this privilege. And folks, uh, God bless you. God bless your families. And I uh, hope that you uh, tune in next week, same time, same station.